Hi, my name's Stephanie and welcome to chapter 7 in my podcast from the book There Is No Magic Button. Chapter 7 is all about food and you might be thinking, why are we talking about food in a book about alcohol? It's so important. It's important in a couple of ways. So, um, it can be important because when people stop drinking, food can become an issue or it's important as well because actually people aren't eating properly and food is going to help you to feel better which is going to help you to stay off the alcohol sounds really simple but it's very true so we need to talk about food um a lot of people get out of the habit of eating properly eating well eating whole foods real food real food will help you to feel better emotionally and physically So it's also about putting new good habits in that are going to support your health. Eating unhealthy food, whether takeaways, junk food or sugar, is a curse of our generation. We have access to pretty much anything we could ever think of and more in the Western world. It's on every corner of every street. There are reminders of it at every glance in our news feeds, on social media, TV, films, adverts. We've never had it so good or bad, depending on your perspective. Similar to alcohol, when something is readily available, it can be really hard to control or manage your cravings and desires. Maybe you're eating badly while drinking, or maybe when you stop drinking, your eating becomes an issue. Sometimes people replace the alcohol with sugar. Initially, I say, work on the alcohol, focus on that. However, have an eye to this. Sugar intake can easily turn into your next issue. Thinking about what you can eat, what is good for you, will help, rather than focusing more on what you can't have okay so um the reason why diets don't work is because you focus on what you can't eat what i'm talking about here is focusing on foods that are good for you so when i talk about food i am talking about eating whole foods real foods variety eating for health not diets that's really important i am not a fan of diets diets don't work because they focus on what you can't have. Whereas if you focus on eating for health, what you can eat, what is good for you, what nourishes you, life is a lot easier. So I just want to give you a bit of an overview about junk food. Here are the facts and figures, excuse the pun. You know I love starting with the facts because well, there is so much misinformation out there. I think it's even worse with food than it is with alcohol if that's possible. The effects of junk food on your body. One in four British adults are obese, according to the UN Food and Agricultural Organisation, prompting fears that the UK has become the fat man of Europe. The UK has the highest level of obesity in Western Europe, ahead of countries such as France, Germany, Spain and Sweden. The 2013 report says... Obesity levels in the UK have more than trebled in the last 30 years and on current estimates more than half the population could be obese by 2050. Europe's Obesity League, so UK 24.9%, Ireland 24.5%, Spain 24.1%, Portugal 21.6%, Germany 21.3%, 
Belgium 19.1, Austria 18.3, Italy 17.2, Sweden 16.6, France 15.6%. The source of this information is from the State of Food and Agriculture 2013 by the United Nations Food and Agricultural Organisation. The UK is the fat man of Europe, writes Professor Terence Stevenson in Measuring Up, a report on the nation's obesity crisis by the Academy of Medical Royal Colleges. It is no exaggeration to say that it is the biggest public health crisis facing the UK today. And alcohol is obviously part of that. The consequences of obesity on our health include diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and people dying needlessly from avoidable diseases. Britain has become an obese society where being overweight is normal. It is a trend, three decades in the making, which according to experts will take several more to reverse. So what is obese? A person is considered overweight if they have a body max index between 25 and 29, an obese with a BMI of 30 and above. In England, 24.8% of adults are obese and 61.7% are either overweight or obese, according to the Health and Social Care Information Centre. Today's obesity levels are more than three times what they were in 1980, when only 6% of men and 8% of women were obese. So how has this happened? Recent research has challenged the idea that obesity is simply the result of the individual eating too much and doing too little. Rising obesity is not the result of a national collapse of willpower, Studies have shown that environment has a major influence on the decisions people make about their lifestyle, known as, I can't even say this, so bear with me, obesogenic environments. I did it. These are places, often urban, that encourage unhealthy eating and inactivity. The cause of the rapid rise in obesity has been blamed on our modern lifestyles, including our reliance on the car, TVs, computers, desk-bound jobs and high-calorie food. The car, TV, computers, desk jobs, high-calorie food and clever food marketing have all contributed to encourage inactivity and overeating. Obesity is a con consequence of the abundance and convenience of modern life as well as the human body's propensity to store fat, says Professor Jeb. Research has shown that we have a natural tendency to store fat. It's a survival mechanism that helped early humans survive famine and food shortages. The situation in which food is readily available for most people has arrived in a blink of an eye in evolutionary terms, says Professor Jeb. Adults spend about six hours a day engaged in sedentary pursuits, watching TV and other screen time, reading and other low energy activities. On average, men and women spend 2.8 hours watching television per weekday, and this rises to about three hours on the weekends. 
the average distance a person walked for transport purposes has fallen from 255 miles a year in 1976 to 192 miles in 2003, while car use increased more than 10%. Although people are travelling further to get to work, one in five journeys of less than one mile are made by car. Your likelihood of being active is shaped by the environment you live in, says Professor Jeb. For example, you're more likely to ride a bike if there are safe and convenient cycle lanes. In 2012, only 67% of men and 55% of women aged 16 and over met the government's recommendations for physical activity of 150 minutes a week. Among children aged 5 to 15, more boys, 21% than girls, 16%, met the recommendation to do an hour of activity every day. Leisure time is increasingly spent indoors, where the incentives for outdoor play have fallen due to safety concerns and a lack of access to green spaces or sports facilities. Longer working hours and more desk-bound jobs over the past decades have resulted in limiting opportunities for other forms of activity during the workday. Breastfeeding, healthy weaning practices and the mother's own diet have all been linked to reduced obesity later in life, although why this is the case is yet to be fully explained. So what's the big deal with obesity? Being overweight or obese increases the risk of many serious illnesses such as type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, stroke as well as cancer. People are dying needlessly from avoidable diseases. Compared with a healthy weight man, an obese man is five times more likely to develop type 2 diabetes and three times more likely to develop cancer of the colon, and more than two and a half times more likely to develop high blood pressure, a major risk factor for stroke and heart disease. An obese woman, compared with a healthy weight woman, is almost 13 times more likely to develop type 2 diabetes, more than four times more likely to develop high blood pressure and more than three times more likely to have a heart attack, even more important for women. People from some ethnic groups, including South Asians, who are more likely to be overweight and obese, also have a higher risk of type 2 diabetes and other weight-related illnesses. A BMI of 30 to 35 has been found to reduce life expectancy by an average of three years, while a BMI of over 40 reduced longevity by eight to 10 years, which is equivalent to a lifetime of smoking. As a society, we are gradually realising that obesity poses just a serious health threat as smoking, says Dr Ted Stone. Obesity has been blamed for about 30,000 deaths a year in the UK, 9,000 of those taking place before retirement age. Alongside disease, obesity can affect people's ability to get and hold down work, their self-esteem, their well-being and their mental health. So what are we doing about it? 
Reversing the obesity trend will require society as a whole to think differently. For government and businesses, it means creating an environment that encourages healthier eating and physical activity. For individuals and families, it means eating better quality foods and moving more. It will require a major shift in thinking, not just by government, but by individuals, families, business and society in general. Currently, no country in the world has a comprehensive long-term strategy to deal with the challenges posed by obesity. The only country to have successfully reversed its obesity problem was Cuba, although it was the unexpected consequence of an economic downturn in the early 1990s. This caused severe food and fuel shortages, which resulted in an average weight loss per citizen of 5.5 kilograms over the course of the five-year economic crisis. During this time, there was a significant drop in the prevalence of and deaths due to cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes and cancers. There is a study based on the Cuban experience and it concludes that national initiatives encouraging people to eat less and exercise more could be effective at tackling obesity levels. The UK government has recognised that past efforts have not succeeded in turning the tide and that a new approach is required. In 2011, it published Healthy Lives, Healthy People, a policy document setting out its vision for how society as a whole can work together to turn the tide on obesity by 2020. Some of the UK's government measures to help people make healthier choices include giving people advice on healthy food choices and physical activity through the Change for Life programme, improving labelling on food and drink to help people make healthy choices, encouraging businesses on the high street to include calorie information on their menus so people can make healthy choices, and giving people guidance on how much physical activity they should be doing. The UK government has also asked businesses to play their part in helping everyone from staff to customers make healthier choices through its responsibility deal pledges. Food manufacturers, retailers and the hospitality sector have committed to cutting down on the amount of fat, sugar and salt in popular food products, encouraging people to eat more fruit and vegetables, reducing portion sizes and putting calorie information on menus. But each of us is ultimately responsible for our health. We should be free to make choices about diet and physical activity for ourselves and for our families. However, supermarkets and food manufacturers are already making choices for us by deciding how much fat and sugar to put in their products and what items to stock and promote. Government can play a positive role in working with the private sector to help people make healthier choices to prevent weight gain. Given all the external causes of the obesity epidemic for the individual, it boils down to the simple message. To lose weight, you need to eat less and move more. People don't choose to be obese, says Professor Jeb. It just happens for a number of reasons. We should stop blaming people for being fat and instead support them in controlling their weight. We've all got the potential to be fat in the environment we live in. It's easy to overeat and be less active. 
Some people need to work harder than others at keeping weight gain in check. This is taken from the NHS.UK, live well, lose weight. So things have changed a lot and we need to catch up and adjust in the right way, not feeling bad and eating on our couch. Remember this, we need to move more and eat good quality foods. It really is that simple. I would also add eat whole foods, real foods. You don't need a fancy diet. Actually, it's been proved that diets don't work. So yes, there are issues with the world, the way the world has changed. However, we are in charge of us, what we eat, what we put in our bodies, how we exercise, how we live. Same as reducing drinking, which will really help. We can also eat healthy foods and exercise. So what can you do? Before we get into this, there are some questions I would like you to ask yourself. Do you eat sugary and junk foods every day? Can you live without it? Can you go a week without having some sugar or junk foods? Just to be clear, sugary things like cakes, sweets, biscuits, puddings, junk food, crisps, takeaway food with no nutritional value. Do you find yourself eating more and more rubbish? Let's be honest here. The more we have, the more we want. Do you feel bad? Do you give yourself a hard time after you've eaten too much rubbish? Are you overweight because of your bad eating habits? Does your health suffer? Does your emotional health suffer? Once you start eating, do you find it hard to stop? If you answered yes to any of these questions, it is worth you changing your focus around your eating habits. I think the most important point here is when we eat a mostly healthy diet, so whole foods, real foods, we feel better. When we stop drinking, we feel better, healthier, happier, our life improves. Eating three good, healthy meals a day will do this as well, and exercising. Simple things we need to do better that will significantly improve our life. I haven't just made this up either. I have seen it in all my work over the last 12 years. Even with people with mental health problems, getting the basics in place is only going to improve your life. So what are the most important things you need to know? The first thing you need to do is to find out how much junk food you are eating. This is really important. How to reduce, cut back, get some control, be healthy. When are you eating, where and with whom? It can be a powerful motivator to actually see what you are doing and it helps to see if there are any patterns. For instance, I used to really struggle during the afternoon, particularly in an office setting. So time of day and environment is really important to me. It's easier and more effective to do the diary as you go along in your week. Be honest, the only person you're cheating is yourself. So draw up a diary, Monday to Sunday, from the start of your day to the end. The first time I did this, there wasn't enough space on the diary to write down everything I ate in one day. Now, I'm sure there's some great apps out there as well. Let me know if you find a good one. I've used one called Lose It. It tracks my calories. Now I know that it's not all about calories and calories don't really mean anything when it comes to health. However, like units in alcohol, it's a way to measure amounts and monitor. 
it's one of the few things that helps me keep my eating in check. So it's a tool in my toolbox that helps me to eat well and feel good. Tracking can be really effective motivation to change your habits as some people don't realise how bad it is until it's written down or they see it in front of them. Check for patterns in the positive and negative parts of the diary. So types of food. What kind of good and bad foods do you like? Times of the day. Are certain periods danger zones for you whilst you find it easy to eat well in others? Certain people. Some may be a good influence on what you eat, some bad. As well as what junk is your favourite, we will all have some that we really struggle to resist. Once you have identified patterns, you can take action. If pizza is your kryptonite, just don't buy it. Or even better, learn how to make a homemade one. Replace it with something healthier. When is the time of day you struggle most? Make sure you have a healthy alternative at the ready, or even better, change your day. For instance, if you struggle mid-afternoon, could you take a break then and have a hot drink? Go for a walk or do something else you like doing that makes you feel good. I have a couple of friends, they're both vegetarians. When I visit them, the food is lovely, very healthy and nutritious. I feel amazing when I've eaten with them. It feels so good to eat healthy food and I don't crave anything rubbishy when I'm with them because it isn't there. There's no temptation. Maybe your partner is one of those annoying people that can eat and eat and eat and they bring you junk food as a treat. Explain to them how important this is to you and ask that they do other things for you to show they love you. Mostly people give you sugary junk food because they want to be nice. However, it's not really. You can explain all of this to them. I'm sure you can think of things they can do for you that are nice and good for your health. So, keep a diary, make a note and keep track of your patterns. I tend to make a note of what I'm eating and times. You can do calories, also how much money you spend. So particularly if coffees and takeout, you know, if money is a motivator for you, keep a track of that as well. So when you've got a week's eating, find a calorie counter on the various sites on the web if you're not using an app that does that for you. Make a note of your calories for each day and then total for the week. There is, remember to use your apps. Now, as I said before, I don't want you to get too caught up on calories as it's not about this. Calories don't actually mean anything in terms of health. It's about eating real food and breaking bad habits, ultimately giving you some control. However, I've noticed over the years that calories can really motivate people and give them that initial boost. But it's two things for me. It's learning about what are healthy foods, so that's real foods, whole foods, as well as the calories. Don't just do calories on its own because some low calorie foods are not actually that healthy for you. So processed low calorie foods is what I'm talking about. That's that's a no-no, okay? It might also help to keep a note of how much the items cost, particularly if you're someone that eats out a lot. This is really important. So what I'm giving you is information is on a number of different ways you can use to motivate yourself. Try all of them and find the ones that work for you. When one of these tips really helps you, use it. Don't worry if you don't know a lot about food. A simple rule to follow is eat foods in their natural form. No processed foods. Ask yourself if this a real food.
Eating real food is way more important for your health than counting calories. For instance, a potato, that's a whole food. A packet of crisps, that's not real. Well, although it's potato, it's a potato that's been processed. Um, things like pot noodles, that's a processed food, whereas you could buy a packet of noodles and use some vegetables and stock. Um, so you get the idea. Remember, diets don't work. They don't work because you eat in a certain way for a certain period of time and then you go back to your eating habits before, or the eating plan or diet was so unrealistic. It's better to focus on eating for health and a lifestyle as a long-term plan. Celebration and reward, we need to talk about this. It's the same with alcohol as well. I remember as a child, we didn't eat junk food very often. Everything was cooked from scratch, no ready meals. Very rarely did we ever go out for dinner. It just wasn't on our radar. However, when we did have something, sweets, crisps, chips, it was a treat, particularly in the UK historically, when raising our children, there has been a mentality that sweet things, rubbishy things, are treats. I think it goes back to the war when things were rationed. So things like cake were a treat. The children that grew up in that way are our parents. I'm 48, so my mum is a baby boomer. So it's continued, even though we are now living in a ridiculously abundant food society in the Western world. So we have learnt this very early on. After all, it's nice to treat ourselves. I'm a strong advocate of being nice to you, but in a healthy way. You're going to hear me say this a lot. Find things that you can do for yourself that are treats, rewards and celebrations that are healthy. Sounds really simple, doesn't it? But if you've been raised this way with cake or chips as a treat, trust me, it's not. <clears throat> we so often want to take the easy route, the quick route, in a society where we can access instant gratification in so many ways. If we are tired, hungry, work hard, hungover, stressed, and we need a treat, what do we do? We reach for the easy option. We reach for the bottle or the junk food. Rather than booking that massage, relaxing, or getting ourselves to the yoga class, booking the theatre ticket, the dance class, coffee with a friend that makes you laugh, because all of that takes a little bit more effort, but oh, so much more rewarding and better for us as well. I challenge you to make more of an effort in your celebration and reward. This is the same idea with alcohol as well. If you use alcohol as a reward, same principle. So I've got a task for you. What do you currently treat yourself with? Write a list and scale them one to 10 on how good for you they are, 10 being really healthy. An example of this is chips from the chip shop, sweets, takeaway, McDonald's, a glass of wine, and then number each one, one to 10, 10 being really healthy on how good for you they are. Now, if you have a list where you have things that you treat yourself with and very little is good for you, it's time to make some changes. Whether you want to lose weight or not, remember this is about health, habit and how you feel. Do you feel good after eating rubbish? So write a list of all the things you can treat yourself with that are good for you. Then next, scale them 1 to 10 on how likely you are to do them. 
10 being the most likely. Example, have a massage, go to the gym or do some exercise, go for a swim, have a coffee with a friend, walk by the sea, watch a film, a long hot bath. I'm sure you're aware and notice that there is something about instant gratification there. If you buy it and it's in the house, it's easy to go to the cupboard, pull it out, eat it, drink it. It's also easy to go to the shop and buy something. However, it's not as quick and accessible to have a massage or go to the beach. It takes more effort, planning. Let's be honest, eating a huge packet of some crisps is easy. So watch out for this. If you're going for the instant gratification, which most of us probably are, stop and do something else. Next time you want to treat yourself, pick one of the activities you are most likely to do. There is no point having a list of things you can do to treat yourself if you are highly unlikely to do them. For instance, I love massages, but realistically at the moment that's unlikely to happen as I have to find somewhere to go and book it in, which will take time. Also, I'm not very good at sitting still, so <laughs> that's not gonna happen. Um, I am likely to watch a film or visit a friend and have a coffee though. You can feel healthier and gain control of your sugar or junk or food habit. Lots of people do it every day. So why should you be any different? You will feel a lot healthier and just generally better about you. Thinking and torturing yourself with wanting to eat things that quite frankly have no nutritional value. Eating them and then feeling terrible physically, mentally or both if you're really unlucky. Find the thing that works for you. What is it about eating healthily that motivates you? For some people it's thinking of food as fuel. We put things into our body to help us live, grow, be healthy, think, excel, perform. Think of it as like putting Coca-Cola in your car. Let's face it, you wouldn't. Your car definitely wouldn't run off this. So why do we put it in our bodies? There's a lovely quote I've seen recently that says, we give our plants water to help them grow. So why do we give our children sugary drinks? Good question. I have a female friend who never, never struggles with her weight. She's very healthy and looks great. She doesn't especially enjoy food. Now I'm not suggesting that anyone feel like this about food, but it's interesting how it works for some people. She sees food as fuel. So she eats when she's hungry, when she needs to, to help her get through her busy day. And she eats a balanced diet because she knows what she needs. When we focus on food as fuel, we make very different choices. When we are hungry, we look at our choices of things to eat and ask ourselves what is the best thing for our mind and body to eat right now. The choice is quite different to the one we would make if we weren't paying attention or going for the instant gratification. You know, the fuel that your car needs to keep it running well on the road. Giving your car the right fuel helps it run well, need less repairs, cost you less and last longer. You do whatever you can to look after it. Why are you not making the same choice with your body and brain, your own chassis and engine? Now apply this to your body and brain. I think we all know by now we need a good mix of basic foods, whole foods, such as fruit, veg, meat, fish, grains, fats, proteins, and water. 
This is the fuel your body and brain needs to help us grow, be strong, feel healthy, look good, help us work, learn and have fun. Food is the drug that I'm thinking of. Although sugary junk foods aren't drugs, they have turned into things we use in this way. Availability is a big one for a lot of people, like alcohol. It is everywhere. In fact, it's probably more in visual sight than alcohol. What happens when you eat something like this is it triggers dopamine in the brain. This feels good for a short while and you want to repeat the feeling. So some people just keep eating, not paying attention to feeling full. We have some funny sayings in our house. Food is not love is one of them. Make sure you are not filling a hole. Do you feel empty and you just keep eating? What's missing? Also, like drugs, sometimes people use food because they are unhappy. If this is you, please be aware of this. Are you eating on your emotions? Maybe because you are generally unhappy? What do you need to change in your life which will help you to support your health? However, sometimes eating bad food is just a habit. I have some friends that when they got together in a relationship, they stayed in and fed each other and put loads of weight on. There was no reason for it other than they liked eating. They were happy and in love. Nothing bad had happened. Sometimes it's just because it's there and it tastes nice. Remember what we said at the beginning of this chapter. The world has changed and we need to catch up. Eat better quality foods and exercise more. Educate yourself about food and learn about nutrient-dense foods. Picture this. Let's face it, our brains are clever little things, especially if we aren't paying attention. Most of us are visual predominantly. So with food being everywhere on the TV, the internet, billboards, even if you are really doing well and making healthy choices, at some point you're gonna slip up, right? Visually, some of this stuff looks great. I bet you're doing it now, thinking about food. When we see it, a lot of us make pictures in our mind and that triggers our other senses. How we feel, how it smells. We start salivating and before we know it, we're in a full blown craving. Same as with alcohol. It's hard to resist. If you are someone that likes to make pictures in your head, then stop yourself from doing it or play with the picture so it isn't so motivating. Like chocolate, for instance, looks like poo. You won't forget that now. A friend of mine never ate chocolate because visually he said in his head it was poo, so he never ate it. Clever. For some people, making the picture in your head, visualisation, really big works. I mean really big or very, very small. So small it disappears like a pea. Changing it from colour to black and white, the list is endless. Mess around with your picture until something changes. If you have a particular thing you really struggle with, for example, chocolate, cake or crisps, try a good master practitioner of NLP or a hypnotherapist. You will only need one session unless it's connected to something deeper. Purely for kickstarting you to stop a particular thing, it can really help. It gives you a boost making it easier for you to take a break or stop, which in turn changes your taste buds and habits, making everything a lot easier. Okay, what can you do about it? How can you help yourself? 
Keep a record of your eating habits. Notice your patterns, change them, do something different. For instance, if you have cravings at 2pm, then go for a walk at that time. Plan your eating. Planning works well with any behaviour change, at least in the first three months. Plan what you're going to cook and eat for the week. Replace rubbish food for healthier versions. There are so many healthy alternative recipes now on the internet. Some of them are quite good. Some of them are a bit dodgy. <laughs> but you'll have fun finding out. Figure out what works and helps you stay motivated. Shop somewhere different. Go to the grocers for veg, the butchers for meat. Buy your food online. Use scaling prior to eating. So on a scale of one to 10, ask yourself whether you are hungry, indifferent or full. One is ridiculously hungry to the point of passing out. Five is indifferent and 10 is so full you're going to be very ill. When I wake up in the morning, I'm probably a four and as time goes on, I get to a three. The idea is that it gets you to eat before you get too hungry and stop before you have eaten too much. Take your time. It takes time for our stomach to talk to our brains to register that we are full. It can take up to 20 minutes, so waiting can be good as well. If you're someone that binge eats, this can be a good practice for you. 20 minutes is nothing. Build a routine so you are eating regularly, but not in a binge pattern. You are eating normal sized healthy meals and then you stop and you wait for at least two hours before you have anything else. Break the binge pattern. Take your time when you eat. Sit down, relax, make time for eating. Enjoy every mouthful. Chew your food properly. A really good nutritionist told me we should be chewing our food 30 times. Use smaller plates. This is a really good one. It plays tricks with you and this is what we want to do. We're messing things up, messing with your habits, your patterns and how you see things. I don't know if you've noticed, but some restaurants and people in their homes have huge plates and they fill them up because that's what everyone does. And then we are programmed to eat whatever is on our plate. So many reasons to eat up. It's a waste if you don't. So many other people need food. The list goes on. All that social conditioning again. I once coached someone on a number of different things, mostly work performance. However, he was unhappy with his weight. And this came up sometimes, but it wasn't the main issue for him. He wasn't massively overweight and did quite a lot of sport, so neither of us was concerned about this. Throughout the coaching relationship, as I coached him intensively for some time, I got to know him well and was having lunch with him one day at his home. He had cooked. I was amazed at the size of the plate and the amount of food on it. So amazed that I probably didn't respond in the best way I could. See, no one's perfect. I pointed out that the plate was huge and there were at least two meals on there for a grown man. I was truly horrified at the amount of food he was about to consume in one go. Then obviously was not surprised that he struggled with his weight. He then spent the next 10 minutes justifying the amount of food. He firmly believed that amount was okay. I left it as that wasn't what we were working on. It's fascinating when you coach people and get to know them well. They tell you certain things and then you see the evidence of why they are the way they are. 
So change your plates to smaller ones or even just normal sized ones for starters. Stick to a budget. Save the money you would normally spend on rubbishy junk foods and then treat yourself to something. New clothing, music, a night out. Put it towards a holiday, a massage, an exercise class, an evening class, or even better, a healthy cooking class. Reward. This one can be really motivating for people. If you are a big takeaway eater, this is expensive. Every time you want one, or would normally buy one, put the money in a jar. Then at the end of the month, or less, count and empty the jar. Don't make yourself wait too long, it's not a punishment, it's supposed to be an incentive. Use it to do something from the alternative rewards we looked at earlier. Decide whether you need to moderate, control or stop eating rubbish altogether. Now only you know the answer to this one and sometimes it's trial and error. Each of us has different personalities. For instance, if I told myself I could never eat chocolate again, I would go out and buy the biggest chocolate bar and eat all of it and feel very ill and disappointed in myself. However, if I tell myself I'm going to eat it occasionally, I do a lot better. I have to play a trick on myself. Are you someone that when they start eating these types of foods, you don't have an off button? If this is you, then it's best to go cold turkey for as long as you can. Then plan a healthy semi-treat for around once a week if that feels good. It can be useful to cut out junk food for at least seven days just to see how your taste buds change. Sugar is fascinating with this one. If you're a real sugar junkie, just cutting sugar out for this short period of time can have a profound effect. I sometimes do a seven day no sugar challenge in my Facebook group. Everyone says the same thing. When they do finally eat something sweet, they say it tastes horrible. I know this myself as chocolate is one of my little distractions I need to keep an eye on. When I go seven days without chocolate and then I eat some lovely dark super duper chocky, it's so strong. It's too much and I can only eat a very small amount as opposed to the whole shop when I'm in full swing. Restrict yourself. Don't buy any rubbish. If you don't have it in the house, you can't eat it. I have had people tell me they have to have it in the house for the kids' lunchbox. Now, what's wrong with this sentence? Why are you buying this stuff to feed your children? Now, I'm not saying don't let them have it, but this is exactly it. Maybe think of it as something to have on an occasion. I think it's Norway where this is reflected in the price of their foods. Healthy foods are cheaper than the rubbishy, junky, sugary foods. Also, I've heard people say they keep bad foods in the house for their partner, husband, wife. Well, I'm sorry. People can support you in this for as long as needed. If they want to buy and eat rubbishy foods, they can anytime, just not around you. If you only have healthy foods in the house, it benefits the whole family. Using healthy alternatives can work well. There are so many recipes out there. Some not so great, I know, but some are good and full of whole foods you can eat that's mostly healthy. Homemade pizza, curry, cakes, etc. Don't be too strict on yourself at the start. If you are going from a really bad eating pattern with a lot of rubbish, start by eating healthy food regularly, but don't worry too much about portion size. 
allow yourself to eat as much as you want, but make sure it's healthy. Then start regulating maybe a week later. Otherwise, big portions will continue to be normal for you. Again, you know best with this one. I once worked with someone who'd stopped using a lot of stimulants and started eating a lot. She needed to eat as she hadn't eaten properly for a long time. And part of getting better is sleeping and eating healthy foods. Initially, I advised to eat healthy food whenever she wanted. She did, but it became too much and quickly turned into excessive and obsessive eating. She very quickly put a routine in to help her. She got very structured about times and meal planning to help with this difficult period. Drink water. If you need to, put a slice of lemon in it. This is probably one of the most important things you can do. Think ahead. This is a really good one. When we eat that thing that looks so yummy that isn't good for us, we are thinking totally in the now, same as when we have a drink, right in that moment, which is great, but not when it comes to bad habits. When it comes to food, think of the future and alcohol. If I eat this or drink this, I'm going to feel like this. It will affect my health in this way. Back to the car metaphor. If I put this bad fuel in my car, what will happen? It will break down. What's the nutritional value of what I'm about to eat? What's my goal in terms of my eating? How does this help my goal? Use a photo of how you want to look, or maybe you need to use a photo of how you don't want to look. This will depend on what motivates you. Some of us are motivated away from. For instance, if your motivation is to not be overweight, a picture of you looking larger than you would like will help to motivate you. However, if you are motivated towards, it will be the picture of someone or yourself looking how you want to look, or buying a dress you want to wear, but can't quite get into it. Deep down inside, you know which way motivates you more. I have a friend that buys dresses one size, one size smaller to encourage herself to lose weight. She never does. She is not motivated towards. She is motivated away from. Summary. So, keep a diary or use an app. Keep a track of your eating habits. Change your outlook. Think of food as fuel. Mess with your habits and patterns. Plan your eating don't be too hard on yourself. If in doubt, drink water. Use a photo. Plan for the future. Every time you're about to eat something, ask yourself if what you're doing now helps you achieve your current goals. Use scaling. Eat when you are hungry. Get structured and consistent. If you've got out of the habit of eating, put some routine in. Breakfast, lunch and dinner with snacks at similar times. Ask yourself if what you are doing now helps you achieve your current goals. And that's the end of chapter seven. Thanks for listening. See you soon for chapter eight.